For those of you who are joining us in the online service, I trust that in your own way, you have worshipped the Lord. And in your own way, God has prepared you for the message this morning. As uh, sometimes in the month of February, the first week of February, I was saying that for this year, in the IDMC emphasis, we are now into the second quadrant, whereby we are emphasizing on equip. We have completed connect, but of course, connecting still going on continuously. All right, but the emphasis is kind of a now a focusing on equip, and this is the season of equipping for us. And when we talk about equipping, I say that we are supposed to equip our head, our heart, as well as our hand. And so for the month of February, we were focusing on the head, knowing, and knowing what? Knowing God. So we talk about how we need to hope, know who God is, the awesome God, the character of God. We talk about coming close to God, seeking the face of God. We talk about having a relationship with God. But for the month of March, and also moving into uh, April, we will be focusing on knowing the season. We need to know the season we are in. And we know that the season we are in right now is a precarious season where everything is so uncertain and everything is so unstable. So we need to be like the man of Issachar, as recorded for us in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. The man of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So similarly today, in the year 2022, we too need to understand the time we are in and we also need to know what we should do as believers and as a church as well. And so we will be preaching a series based on the epistles to the Thessalonians. That is the first and second epistle for month of you know, March and April. We'll be preaching on that. And I believe that the believers in the city of Thessalonica, they were facing great opposition. They were also living in precarious time. At the same time, they were also eagerly waiting for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They truly believed that at that time, Jesus would return very soon. So they had a sense of anticipation, even as they were going through a rough patch in their Christian faith. And I believe that we as a church will be able to learn much from the believers that was in Thessalonica even as we explore these two letters together. So before we go into the message, let me just give you a very brief background about the church in Thessalonica. The church in Thessalonica was founded by Paul and his missionary team in his second missionary journey. I'm sure all of us are familiar of the Macedonian call that Paul crossed over to Europe and preached in Philippi, you know, and from there he went down to Thessalonica. And in the city of Thessalonica, there was quite a sizable Jewish community, so there were uh, synagogues there. And the strategy was, of Paul was that when you read Acts chapter 17, right, maybe at the you know, at the end of the service, you go back and you read Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 actually tells us how the church was founded by the, by the apostle and his team. So Paul went to the synagogue for three consecutive Sabbaths. He went there for three consecutive Sabbaths and he preached about Jesus Christ to the Jews. And so what was the result? The result is that some of the Jews believed, but a large number of God-fearing Greeks 
These were God-fearers who were attracted to the Jewish faith, to Judaism, but when they listened to the message of Paul, they were convicted, and many of them turned to the Lord, and also quite a number of prominent women. But of course, the Jews were jealous. They never liked it whenever Paul preached the gospel. They hated it when people were you know, coming to faith. And so what did they do, right? So they caused a riot. They caused a riot in the city. They deliberately misrepresented the message of Paul. And they said, oh, Paul is actually against a Roman ruler because Paul is talking about the coming of another king, you know, about Jesus Christ. And this king, you know, is going to, you know, uh, 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 be the king. And, and he's actually speaking against the Roman government. And so as a result, he's caused such a great riot. Right? So much so that people have to send him away. The believer have to send him away. He and Silas were sent away at night to safety and they went to Berea. In Berea, then further on, you know, they went to Athens and finally they landed at Corinth. But Paul was being torn apart by a newly established church. He was only with them for three weeks and then he was forced to leave. But his heart was concerned. What happened to them? And so he couldn't take it anymore and so he sent Timothy back. You know, can you please go back to the city of Thessalonica and find out what happened to the new believers? So while in Corinth, Paul received news. When Timothy came back and told Paul the good news that, well, you know, these believers are still growing strong. He came back with good report and Paul was so excited. He was so happy. And so Paul began to pen First Thessalonians to encourage the new believers there. So the church of Jesus Christ will face problems. We will face problems both internally and externally. Internally, some problem we face may be some financial difficulties. There are some, you know, smaller churches will be facing. They will face internal problems of erroneous teaching. Both in the first century church and even now, we have false teachings, false teachers, a false evangelists going around town. And sometimes you may face leadership crisis. Sometimes you may face relational issue. You may face a lot of problems internally in the church because we are all human beings. At the same time, we will also face difficulty externally. We face attack, we face persecution, right? And then we face restriction by the rulers you know, of the land, the ruling authority. Uh, we face malicious attack you know, uh, by the haters and all kinds of accusation you know, uh, uh, coming against the church. And of course, sometimes, not sometimes, in fact, uh, a lot of times we are also confronted with both local and global issue, even right now. We are confronted with health issue, economic issue, disaster, war, and so on and so forth. So whatever happening around the world affects us as believers because we are living in the real world. And so all these things will affect the church. So how do we cope as individuals, believers, and as the church? How do we cope? Now, the way the Thessalonian believers responded to crisis and hardship it's really an example and inspiration to the church at large. In the midst of hardship, they did not cry. Instead, they thrive. They did not just cry, instead they thrive. And therefore, this morning, I would like to entitle my message, Thrive, Not Cry. Thrive, Not Cry. And I would like you to turn with me to the book of First Thessalonians chapter 1. And we are going to read through the entire chapter together. It's a short chapter. So that you will have an overall view of the message that I'm going to share today. 
and you can follow along when I make references to those scripture. So, First Thessalonians chapter one, I'll read it from the NIV, and uh, please follow along in your Bible. To the Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we live among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you give us. They, te they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescued us from the coming wrath. Father, we just pray that the word of God will speak to each and every one of our hearts. We know that your word is active, your word is alive, your word is like a double-edged sword. We pray that even as we open our heart to you, the Lord, that we will be convinced of this message of what you want us to do. Encourage us, O God, challenge us, O God, through the word. And Lord, I just pray that you continue to help us to build faith in you and to thrive in our Christian walk. As we commit this time to you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, although they were faced with pressure from every side, they were under persecution, so much so that Paul had to be sent away. Right? And Jason was, had to uh, 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 put bond, I had to post a bail. And we realized that they never had it easy. But the Thessalonian Christian, they thrive in their Christian virtues. They thrive in their Christian virtue. Because in verse 3, Paul commended them and say that we remember before our God and Savior your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, life has not been easy for the newly formed church. They were under tremendous pressure from the persecutors. You can imagine some of those people who persecute them could be their friends, could be their, even their family members, right? their leaders in the synagogue, right? and even you know, some in the ruling uh, uh, silver servant. They are being persecuted. And the government authority may look upon them with suspicion and keeping an eye on them as rumors spread that they were against the Roman ruler. Paul was so afraid that the young church would be stamped out even before they have a chance to grow. But praise God that the church was holding on very well. Paul was certainly impressed. He was very impressed by the way they thrive in their Christian virtue. And the Christian virtue mentioned here are the three 
characteristic: faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope are three cardinal virtues of the Christian life and the three greatest evidences of salvation. How do we know that we are saved? How do we know that we are chosen of God when we begin to exhibit this Christian virtue, faith, love, and hope in our life? Paul talks about their work of faith. It refers to their initial act of faith that brought them salvation. The work of faith here does not refer to that they have to work hard to gain their salvation, but rather the exercising of their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so that itself brought them salvation. And when they heard the word of God, what did Paul say? Their faith arose in their heart and they believed. Now they believed in the word of God not as, man, as it came from men, but as it came from God because of the power of the Holy Spirit they were at work in their heart. So they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. They welcomed the message in the midst of suffering. The message did not come to them easily. In fact, the Apostle Paul themselves, they were running away from one persecution, from uh, Philippi, under persecution, out of jail, and immediately they preached the gospel. But yet, they received it in the midst of suffering. This exercise of faith is seen in their willingness to turn to God from idols. Verse 9, it says that you turn to God from idols. That is an exercise of faith. It is not easy because all their life they have been attached. Of course, Paul was referring to the non-Jews because there were a great number of God-fearing Greeks. So Paul was referring this group of people who were attached to idolatry and they were willing to burn the bridges and turn away from all these idols to serve the living God. And it takes faith because when you do that, you realize that you can be ostracized by the people around you. But the people that have been worshipping together with you in the past, and they will look at you, you know, angry, upset. How can you turn away from the worship of your own God? And now you go and, you know, worship another God, right? Well, but that is a faith. So their faith remains steadfast in spite of persecution and hardship. And this has become an encouragement to other believers and even to the Apostle Paul himself. That's why when Paul heard about that they stood firm in their faith, he was so happy. He praised God. He thanked God for them. And also Paul remembered their labor of love. True faith in God will lead to work. For without works, faith is dead. So when you have love in your heart, you want to serve. You want to serve God. You want to serve others. So the genuine faith of the Thessalonian believer resulted in them serving the living God. Not only the turn from idols, but Paul mentioned that to serve the living God. They did not allow opposition to stop them from serving. Love is a great motivation. It is a great motivation in our service of God, especially during unusual time. And for us, is it during unusual time like this that our labor of lust is being shown? And during this time, we really want to thank God, you know, for those who serve God faithfully. During the pandemic season, quite a number have withdrawn themselves from service, right? From serving, they withdraw, right? And probably due to different factors, and we respect their reason, right? The different factors that may hinder them from serving. But we want to thank God for those who are willing to continue serving. We want to thank God for those who rise up to serve in different capacity. Perhaps you ask, what do you gain? What do they gain in serving God during the pandemic? Aren't they taking a risk in giving? 
But when you are motivated by love, when you are motivated by the love of God in your heart, there's no fear. There's no fear because perfect love casts out fear. You just want to do it for God. You just want to become a blessing. And this is the labor of love. This is the labor of love. And therefore, I truly appreciate all those of you who return, who continue to serve God faithfully no matter what season we are in. And all the usher, traffic warden, SSS, the entire praise and worship team and media team. And I really want to thank you for your labor of love. Can we give them a hand? Give everyone that been serving, that return to serve God during this season of uncertainty, during this unusual time. I thank God for you. I thank God for your labor of love. Keep it up. Continue to thrive in this. And thirdly, Paul, remember their enduring hope. The hope is rested in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why it endures. It is not rested in anything else. The hope is not rested in the vaccine. The hope is not rested in any ruler, government. No, it's rested in Jesus Christ. And this hope is the anchor of our soul. In fact, the early believers were actually looking forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, towards the end of First Thessalonians and also later on in Second Thessalonians, you'll get to hear more where how they look forward to the second coming of Jesus. There is such a strong sense of anticipation for the coming of Jesus. So the hope kept them strong. The hope kept them going. So when problems came to them, they did not just sit down as a crybaby, as though everything is gloom, as though everything is doomed. No, rather they cast their eyes on Jesus. They cast their eyes on Jesus and with hope in their heart, they waited for his return. They knew what lies ahead. And because they knew what lies ahead, it encouraged them. It gave them a future. They were looking forward to the finishing line. They were not looking around for the problem, for the obstacle, but they were looking forward to the finishing line. So instead of feeling discouraged, they thrive in their faith. We hope they step us because they believe in the promise of God. I believe we too are living in the end times. Things are not going well. The clock is ticking fast. And signs are everywhere. We all see it. We all hear it. Earthquakes. There are still many earthquakes going on. Recently, we heard quick even in Brazil, you know. And then wars are going on. And there are many wars we are fighting. We are fighting the COVID war. We are fighting the economic war. And now the world is witnessing a senseless military war in Europe. Just in February, in my message, I was saying that Russia is going to attack Ukraine. And now... It's already in the 11th day. Just within one month, things change. Change things in the life of the Ukrainian and things change in the life of the Russian because of the sanction as well. Now, this war has a worldwide impact. The war between the two countries is going to affect the entire world. We cannot say it's so far away, but it's going to affect us. With the sanction going on, it's going to affect a lot of people. Yes, the sanction may not be on us, but you realize that the global economy is all linked together. It's all interlinked. When one big country suffers, there will be a rippling effect on the rest. 
Even for our own nation, we see that things are going downhill. And we do not know what to expect in the Johor election. Sometimes we wonder, what's next? Are we expecting more surprises? Are we expecting more unpleasant surprises? We don't know. But let me just prepare you. The church in Malaysia, and in fact the church at large, is going to face more and more challenges. Because the world that we are living in is getting more and more hostile to the Christian faith and more and more hostile to the church. Our faith will be tested. That is for sure. Not to frighten you, but to prepare you. Our faith will be tested. We will be tested by the trial that we face. But what kind of trial? It could be personal struggle. It could be personal struggle of faith. It could be unresolved family conflicts. It could be financial woes that you are facing. It could be emotional and mental stress. It could be, you know, your, your study, your career, your businesses, and you can name it. And how do we respond to all these problems? Do we just sit down and cry? It's all right to cry. It's nothing wrong to cry. David and his fighting men cried when their families were taken captive, when their wives, when their children, when all their belongings were being robbed and taken away. They cried. But don't stay as a crybaby. Rise up. Know what you should do and try. The people in Sakura know what they should do. And church, you need to know what you should do during this season. Thrive in Christian graces like the Thessalonian Christian. Do not allow adverse circumstances to dampen our spirit, but grow in our adversity. Ask ourselves these few questions. Are we standing firm in our faith? We need to exercise faith. Stay grounded and rooted in the Word of God. That's why this season of equipping, we have to equip ourselves with the Word. So when we have next round of SCG, I trust many of you will sign up because we need to be rooted. Is our love for God strong enough to motivate us to keep serving God? Don't say take a break now, COVID lah. No, no, no. COVID, don't take a break. So we better don't take a break. We have to fight. We have to rise up and thrive. Let's continue to serve God, be motivated by the love of God in our hearts. So there is still a great need for volunteers, for help in the many ministries, especially in the media uh, ministry. We need help. Come on, rise up, try in your love, your labor of love. Are we holding on to the hope of the second coming of Christ? You say, Pastor, we heard about it a long time ago. The Thessalonian believers believe that. Yes, they believe that. But the Bible says God is not slow to His promise. Rather, His patience. He desires that more and more people to add to His kingdom. God has His timeline. But when we look at the events around the world, we know it is very near. Our days is much nearer than 2,000 years ago during the time of the Thessalonian Christian. So let's hold on to the hope. Are we actively prepared ourselves for His soon return? Are you prepared? If Christ should come back again, are you prepared? If not, I trust that during this season of equipping, you will prepare yourself with the anticipation, with the hope in your heart for the soon coming of Christ. So let's thrive in our Christian graces. Now, the Thessalonian Christian not only overcame their struggles and became stronger, you realize 
that they also became a good testimony to the people around them. They became good testimony. So they thrive in their testimony. They thrive in their testimony. In verse 5 to verse 7, second part of verse 5, it says, You know how we live among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, how do they become a model? First of all, they observe. They observe how the Apostle Paul and the rest of the missionary team behave. When Paul and Silas and Timothy came to them, they work hard, you know. They, they, they follow, you know, they have good example. And so they follow the example. And in turn, they became an example to others. Now, what did they see in the missionary team? Uh, you could turn to, you know, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to verse 2. I'm not going to read because I'm not preaching from that. But I'll just give you a quick summary, right? And believe me, it's that we summarize that how, what kind of example did Paul they all set? They shared the gospel in the face of strong opposition, which I mentioned. They were sincere in preaching the word without selfish motive. They did not preach the word for selfish gain. They did not ask for money. They did not do anything else for their own gain. Right? And they were like parents taking care of them, like mother nursing them, like father encouraging them. So this is how the Apostle Paul treated them. And they worked hard and demonstrated a godly lifestyle while serving them. They did not exploit them. They did not bully them. They did not cheat them. But they worked very hard. They were not a leech to leech on them. And because of all this excellent example, the Thessalonian young believers picked it up. They picked it up because Paul and his team did an excellent job. So their life and message have impacted the people there and they set the standard of a good Christian lifestyle. So the Thessalonian people not only accepted the word with faith, but they allowed the word of God to transform them. The word of God transformed them and changed them from the inside out. And so they emulate the life of the missionary, they themselves be a testimony of the transforming power of God. Such change in life has become an inspiration to other people. And they themselves became a role model of what a Christian should be. It is easy to be a good example when we are not under stress, isn't it? When things are going well, when everything is cool and calm, your mood is also cooler and calmer, am I right? Uh, yeah, you see? So we are more patient, we are more loving, we are more forgiving, we are more accommodating, we are more tolerant, we are more joyful because every day is sunshine. How nice. How nice every day is sunshine. Very easy to be cool and be a good testimony. Sure. We can be a good testimony during all those good days. But when times are bad, when you get agitated by your spouse, when you get upset with your underperforming staff or colleagues, when you're frustrated with the slow progress of work or projects that you're handling or your study, or when your roof is leaking and your gas is running low and your child is sick, and you face one whole lot of problems, one after another. Are you still able to maintain your cool? Are you still able to hold on to your Christian principle without compromising? 
It is during tough time that the true character is shown, not during good time. It's during tough time. People observe how we respond when we face with calamities. When things are well, people say, sure, lah, you know, everything goes on so well with you. Of course, you have all the time to praise God. You have all the time to go to church. You have all the time to serve. You've got no problem with But when problem pause, people around us begin to observe. Now I want to see how this Christian talks so much about their God. I want to see how they behave. I want to see how they respond when crisis struck, when disaster come to them. I want to see how they respond. If we respond the same way that others, angry, fearful, blaming God, cursing, swearing, what's the difference then of being a Christian? People say, no difference. What? There, good time only, you can praise God. Now what happened? But if they see our peace, if they see the calmness that we have, if they see the faith, the trust that we have, if they see that we continue to worship God, we continue to serve God, we continue to hold firm to our faith, we are still able to smile in the midst of storm, they will be attracted. They say, hmm, truly, their God is real. Because they see the way we respond. Like good old faithful Job. He maintained his faith and testimony in spite of severe suffering he was going through. And that's why in Job 23 verse 10, he said this. He said, but he knows the way that I take when he had tested me, I will come forth as gold. Church, we must maintain a good testimony. We must thrive in our testimony so that we will come forth as gold. What people see are shining pure gold. Then we may have gone through the fire but what come out, it is really something solid, something that is attractive. So church, we must strive in our testimony no matter what happened. Joseph in the Bible is another great example of men who thrive in the midst of betrayal, injustices and suffering. And for those of us who are in the cell going through the series Overcome, that's a study of the life of Joseph and you can see how his character, how his testimonies thrive. Whether he was a slave in somebody's house or whether he was a prisoner in the jail, he maintained his testimony in God. And that's why God elevated him. So therefore, we must try. So if you are not in the cell yet, time to join a cell. This series is going to help you and benefit you. Look for a cell and join. Yes, I want to learn how to overcome how to overcome in difficult situation. So may I encourage you, whatever come your way, maintain a good Christian testimony. And finally, not only they thrive in their Christian virtue, not only they thrive in their testimony, they thrive in their mission. They thrive in their mission because in verse 8 it says, the Lord's message ran, rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Although tested in their faith, the Thessalonian Christian continued the work left behind by the apostle. Remember, the, the time of the apostle with them was short-lived. It was only about three weeks and they were forced to go. Who is going to carry the work of mission and evangelism? The young church pick it up. Even though they were young, even though they were newly saved, but they pick it up 
from there, right? They spread the lost message as much as they could. Whatever they heard, whatever they are convinced of, right? They, under the power of the Holy Spirit, they continue the word. Through them, the gospel went far and wide. He said, what the message ran off from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, not only surrounding you, but became known everywhere. Wow. Such a fantastic work of carrying out the preaching of the gospel. Talk to, while Paul was in prison, you realize that he preached to the prison wardens too. From all this, history has shown to us that nothing can stop the preaching of the gospel. Nothing can stop. Whether it was in jail, whether it's in the open space. Talk to those that come from the persecuted church. Do you know that those, the persecuted church, are even more missional than those that are in the free world? Underground churches thrive in closed country because the believers were committed to the Great Commission. They were under tremendous suffering, but they know that their hope, the only hope, is in Christ. Many persecuted Christians in the closed countries are like the Thessalonians. They thrive in their faith, they thrive in their labor of love, especially in the area of evangelism. And the fastest growing church in the world is not in the free country. It's not in the USA, it's not in Singapore, it's not in South Korea. But in the closed country, what the church it's been persecuted. That's the fastest growing church. Church, this is the best time for us to preach the gospel. We hear bad news every day. People are tired of bad news. People are feeling discouraged and helpless. They need to hear the good news. And we have the good news. They need to know what they are living for. They need to have hope about the future. And as Christians, we may be hearing the same bad news, but instead of entertaining all the negative feeling, we ought to look at it from divine perspective. The people of the world hear bad news. They find that it's so helpless. We Christians hear the same bad news. How do you respond to those bad news? Do you still respond complaining, sulking? No. But rather, because of our hope in God, we must look at bad news from a divine perspective. God sees everything that's happening in this world. And for a while, God is allowing it. God is allowing the natural consequences to take its force. And many of the bad things that are happening are the natural consequences of the sin of men. So don't blame God. It's not God. But it's the consequences of man's sin. But God is not oblivious to the suffering of the world. He has his timing. He's still in control. He will act when the time comes. And at the meantime, he has given us his promises. He has given us hope. He has given us his son, Jesus. And this is the good news that we must share no matter what. Therefore, we must continue to thrive in our mission. As a missionary church, we must find every opportunity to share the gospel. Be prepared in season and out of season. It doesn't matter whether we feel like it or not. It doesn't matter whether we are up to it or not. The message must go out. We need to understand the season. The season we are living in 
we are living in the end time. This is a season of uncertainty and danger. This is a season of deception and of great falling away, even for those who profess their faith in Jesus. This is a season of great immorality and rebellion, rebellion against God. Do not be afraid. Instead, church, be strong. Be strong. Know what we ought to do in this season. This is the season for the church to rise up and thrive. Thrive, not cry. Thrive, not cry. Say that, thrive, not cry. We must thrive. We need to hold firmly to the faith, continue to labor enough, and always remember the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are born in this season for a divine purpose. There must be a divine purpose of why we are here. So stop complaining and stop murmuring and stop crying. Instead, we must start to thrive. Thrive in our testimony so that our preaching is backed up by our conduct and our behavior. It's backed up by our character, by our Christian virtue, by our testimony. We need to continue to thrive in our testimony so that our uh, uh, continue to thrive in our work of evangelism with anticipation for the second coming of Christ. Because Jesus himself said in Matthew 24 verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. The end will come when the gospel is preached to all nations. And church, let's be the mouthpiece. Let's be the mouthpiece that we will preach the word wherever we are. Let's strive together as a church so that when he comes again, he will be pleased to see a radiant, thriving church. Amen? Amen. Amen.